0: Hi, welcome to Lessons I Learned in Law, the leading legal podcast brought to you by Harriet Brown in-house legal recruitment. On each episode of the podcast, I sit down with a leading mind from the legal profession and hear about their three lessons that they've learned throughout their legal career that have had an impact on and helped them to get to the position that they're in at the moment. So I'm delighted today to be joined by Dina White. Hi Dina.
1: Hi Scott, great to be here.
0: Thank you for joining me. Dina is General Counsel at Zodia Markets, which is a digital assets trading platform. Really keen to find out more around Zodia Markets and the work that you're doing there. Dina's very active on LinkedIn in terms of sharing her thoughts around what is going on within crypto, digital assets and the regulation of that space. I really recommend giving her a follow if that's an area of interest. But Dina's career started in the magic circle in a law firm in the debt and capital markets team at Clifford Chance and then has held a number of positions in-house within the banking space and financial services which I'm hoping that we'll hear a lot more around in our conversation. Thank you for coming in to Beamery's lovely office. What are you thinking of the studio?
1: This is amazing. I, I haven't been in a recording studio like this and it's, yeah, it's very exciting to be here.
0: It's cool, isn't it? We'll jump in, Dina, if you don't mind. We'll hear your first lesson, please, if you could share that.
1: Sure. So my first lesson is nothing to do with digital assets, but it's that lawyers have a privilege and it's our duty to give back to society. So as lawyers, we're not only highly educated, but we have a rare skill. We know the law and we're qualified to practice it. So when I was at Clifford Chance, I did a three-month secondment to a law centre called Law for All. That was part of my litigation training seat, where I worked on social security and employment law cases. I'll just give you one example. So there was a lady I was representing in the employment tribunal, and she had systematically been underpaid by her employers. They had miscalculated her holiday pay and, and various other calculations. So I helped talk through the case with her, presented it at the tribunal and the judge agreed and awarded her that, that, that lost pay. And this is just one example where it was, you know, one, one person working for a small hairdressing business and I was able to help her get what she was entitled to. Yeah. And it's just one example of a time when I was able to use my legal skills to help someone who wasn't otherwise able to access it. And I learned just how important these services are to society because for just one person wanting to fight for what is rightfully due to them she needed someone to argue her case. Mm -hmm. I then later started working for BNY Mellon where I was regularly volunteering at the Employment Law Clinic at Tweenby Hall right, and also at the Form Filling Clinic at Community Links Legal Advice Centre which was in Canning Town in East London and that was a very interesting law clinic because it was staffed by volunteers from Hogan Lovells Law Firm and also Bank of New York Mellon. But they weren't actually legal cases we were helping with. There was actually benefits forms. But these forms can be so complex, even for lawyers, that it's very difficult for the people who are entitled to receive something from them, Mm -hmm. for them to be able to complete it. So one example, there was a man uh, who came in, he had lost his job. He was working in a supermarket, but he had epilepsy. And On more than one occasion, he had had an epileptic fit in front of the customers and it was awkward and embarrassing for the customers and for him. And eventually he had to leave his job and he wasn't even able to complete basic tasks at home. Uh, He showed me his hand, which was covered in burns from where he had a fit while he was cooking and he needed to apply for certain benefits, disability living allowance and other things. and, And I was able to help him. And again, it's just these small ways. Yeah. in which we can help people to what they're
0: entitled to. Yeah. Was that a rolling secondment that they had then at Clifford it, Chance?
1: It was. And I think I've heard one of your previous guests, Alex Stephanie.
0: Yeah, speak I was wondering as well. It's the same, yeah. It's the same, it's the same thing. Same.
1: It is just so impactful. Yeah. I think probably anyone who does that secondment gains something yeah. huge out of it. And, you know, credits Clifford Chance for giving us that opportunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, yeah, anyone that goes on that secondment probably sees the firm in a bit of a different light as well in terms of giving back. It's really important, I guess, witnessing it and seeing it firsthand is the key measurement to that. Was that something you actively sought out as a seat?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. As a seat, yes, but also one of the reasons I chose to train at Clifford Chance is because I knew someone who was working as a lawyer there right? and she was doing pro bono work from that for the National Autistic Society. I did some work there as well for them. And Previously, I just hadn't been aware of how these big international law firms, top law firms, were also helping various members of society in so many ways on a pro bono, on a free basis. Yeah. And I just found that really attractive because I wanted something more out of my career than just a, a corporate law future.
0: And for in-house lawyers, how can they, or how have you managed, how have you maintained or continued to do that, and that type of work? Is it something you, you've sought out yourself?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, it's been a bit more challenging in my current role because it's it's more of a startup, but typically in-house legal teams will partner with a law firm Right. and the law firm will run the program usually and then the the in-house lawyers will, will join up with them. So usually they'll sort of take their panel firms or whoever they're working with and work together on a project. And Zodiac Markets, where I work now, is a subsidiary of Standard Chartered. So I've been working with them to try and find the right project to partner with them on.
0: Is there an area you're particularly interested in or you feel you feel needs additional support?
1: Well, the two areas I've worked in the most, which is social security and employment law, there's a huge need there. There's a huge need across a range of areas, but I'm more comfortable with the areas that I really have experience in. But there are, there are so many opportunities. Yeah, I won't list them all now, but there are many. For anyone who wants to get involved, there is that niche for you there.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. What was the impact like, with the individuals that were the the hairdresser there on the the employment tribunal that you went through? But the epilepsy case, what's the feedback generally from the individuals? Do they view the law differently when you're having that impact?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think probably a lot of people have a view as lawyers as in their ivory tower or some other greedy or selfish or just too involved in the corporate world. But it's just not the case. I mean, maybe it's the case for some But once they experience the help that they receive and even the time taken to listen to them, to go through their sort of bag full of papers and documents sometimes and to listen to their story and to craft that story into a case Mm. or completing a form. Firstly, they're immensely grateful just to be heard Mm. and taken seriously. And secondly, to have that access Mm. to the law. There's an amazing quote from John Locke that I love, which is where there is no law there is no freedom. Mm. That means the freedom to have the rights that we're entitled to. Yeah, But a, a huge proportion of the population just don't have that access to that freedom. So helping them on their way is just a, an immense benefit to them and to us. And I think it makes us better lawyers.
0: Yeah. What have you learned out of that pro bono work that's helped in the corporate environment?
1: I mean, firstly, I've learned that lawyers do have this privilege that just anyone who isn't a lawyer or hasn't done an law degree doesn't have, which is the ability to advise on legal aspects Mm. of of issues in society. But it's definitely made me a better lawyer. It's made me a better listener. Mm. It's exposed me to parts of society that I wouldn't otherwise have had exposure to. And it's taught me how to present a case. And overall, it's just made me happier to be able to contribute to society. And it's made me think more highly of the legal
0: profession. So we'll move on to lesson two, if you could share that. Please.
1: So lesson two is do the work you love, but don't ignore the boring parts of the job. Um, <laughs> so I'll talk about the first part first. I've always followed what I love doing. And by that, I don't necessarily mean following your passion in general. I mean, I have certain hobbies. I like taking photographs, for example, but I, you know, I didn't want to make a career out of that. But, but following what you love doing in your career I think you'll never go wrong. So I trained at Clifford Chance because I wanted to work in financial and corporate law. I worked in the debt and equity capital markets team for six years off qualification. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was exciting. It was fun. I loved it. After that, I felt that I wanted to see more from the client side. So I went to work for Bank of New York Mellon where I got to see the same types of transactions, but from the client perspective. Mm. And I was working in, in a business role. And then after a couple of years, I (laughs) wanted to, I didn't want to be siloed into one part of the business. So again, sort of followed what I was interested in at the time, which was broadening out my role to see every part of BNY Mellon's business. Mm. And I went to work in the mergers and acquisitions legal team. Right. So, you know, I've always followed what I enjoy doing. Now, there was a project when I was in that role that I was asked to look after, which has led me really to where I am. In my role now so that was a project a consortium project called utility settlement coin right and it was then five institutions uh, which has now grown to 17 institutional shareholders and they were building a digital asset backed by central bank money Mm. for the settlement of securities transactions and there are lots of other use cases but that was one they were looking at initially And I just found this incredibly exciting because I'd just come from a business role where I was literally settling transactions as well as negotiating them and and sort of doing the legal work. But I could see how manual, how time intensive, process driven that was and the prospect of having a future financial services infrastructure whereby you could have digital assets that settle instantaneously interoperable across multiple platforms, in multiple currencies, that was just very exciting to me.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And that led you to your current role?
1: It so, did. It did. Not directly. So I had a friend ask me to join him in his team at US Bank, right. where I was working on collateralized loan obligations and mm-hmm. other <laughs> structured finance transactions. And, you know, I knew at the time that I wanted to work in blockchain and digital assets, but I thought this would give me some experience in more complex financial products, which would then be useful to me later on right. when they are digitalized, tokenized. So I'm very happy yeah. I did that role.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing. And what was the business role? So a, non, a non-legal position? At that, that was
1: also a business role. Yes. It's interesting that and the, and the business role at BMW Mellon was quite legally focused. So I was reviewing deals and sort of running those deals. But also making sure that the operational side
0: was yeah. was happening as it should. A lot of people we speak to and people in our network want that transition out of a pure legal position. How did that come around? Was it something you sought out or
1: uh, not really? Uh, <laughs> both of them were former colleagues. So so the person who brought me into B Mellon was actually another lawyer who who I'd worked with at Clifford Chance. Right. I bumped into him somewhere and he said, "Oh, we're looking for some of this role." So. It was not planned. I was not planning to go into a business role. And the same thing at US Bank as well. A former colleague from BMI Mellon asked me to join. But, you know, brings me back to my point. It was something I was interested in. I was open to the opportunity. And it's a principle I always follow, which is if you're doing what you love, you're more likely to do a great job yeah. because you'll be interested in it. You'll be passionate about it. And, and that just reflects into your work. That does bring me to the other side of this lesson which is don't forget the boring parts of the job it's very easy and i'm guilty of this myself at times of focusing on the parts of the job that you love so for me it's researching different aspects of the digital assets of blockchain technology of the um, the regulatory environment it's easy to forget to look at you know timesheets or your documents management system or all that yeah. kind of admin or, or if you hate reviewing commercial contracts maybe it's that and no one can get away from it it doesn't matter how senior you may get mm. you know how much you delegate or how much you try to avoid it every job will have parts of the job you hate or you just dislike and sort of put off but if you do that if you don't actually attend to those i think you'll find you'll be out of a job quite quickly luckily i've yeah. never. <laughs> never never gone. that's never,
0: never been that bored
1: <laughs> um that I find sort of making a point of making sure that you do things and prioritising them Mm. will make your life a lot easier and will make you enjoy the rest of the job Mm. much more.
0: Any tips on how to do that? I'm a massive procrastinator (laughs) of stuff that doesn't give me energy in doing them and put them off and delay them or then half arse it a bit.
1: Exactly, exactly. And as I said, I think we've all been there. My tip is to take a day or, or an hour, whatever it is, a period of time where you focus on those things mm. and you do not do anything else. You don't do your deep work. You don't do your creative work. Mm. And you focus on those things sometimes first because then you get them out of the way. Let's say it's Monday. Okay, Monday, you're just going to dedicate to all those tasks that you do not like doing. Yeah. Then by Tuesday and Wednesday, you've then freed up your calendar mm. to do that deep creative work. And A, it's done. And B, you don't have that kind of guilt and anxiety hanging over you. And you can sort of allow your mind to freely focus on the things that you want to.
0: Yeah, cool. Reassuring, I think, for, for, well, maybe for junior lawyers to know that there's always something about everyone's job that isn't 100%. And you would rather rather not be doing that. So that's reassuring and and very good advice. (laughs) So you touched upon stuff outside of work in terms of passions. What keeps you busy outside of work and crypto?
1: (laughs) What's my passion? Well, I do love running. Yeah, boxing and running. Okay, I haven't done boxing for a while, but that was my absolute favorite sport when when I did it, and I love them for two reasons. I also do other things, but I love those for two reasons, similar but different. So for boxing, it's something you have to focus on a hundred percent, right? And and I, as probably many lawyers are, am guilty of sort of thinking about things maybe too much or or, or sort of pondering work problems or, or life issues. When you're boxing, if you don't focus 100% in it, you can get hit in the face, which happened to me once in a kickboxing class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually very refreshing, as well as the physical exercise. to yeah. so just take yourself out of the day-to-day and and allow yourself to to focus on something completely different. And running I love for a similar but opposite reason. When I'm running, I just let my thoughts flow freely. Mm. And music is very important to me. I don't, I don't play music, but I listen to music a lot. So, you know, putting the headphones on, turning the music up and just running and letting my thoughts flow where, wherever they will yeah. is, again, just incredibly helpful. It's a really great way to relax and to and to think through.
0: Yeah, just as so, out as the stuff as well. Yeah. Um, nice. How did you get into boxing?
1: That was actually when I was at Y Mellon in Canary Wharf, the gym there, yeah. had boxing classes and I just thought I'd try it out. And I realized this, I, I love this and yeah. carried it through to the next gym I was in and yeah, recently checked out a boxing gym near my office, so yeah. I may join there as well.
0: I'm going for it. Yeah, I did some back in the day, but I did a white collar fight in Sydney when wow. I lived there. Yeah, I'll not go into detail as to how. Yeah, I, it
1: I didn't get happened. that far with my thing.
0: <laughs> um, I've not done it since, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good. It's very therapeutic and hitting a bag's great. And in terms of being a lawyer, was that something you always wanted to be?
1: No, not at all. I had no idea that I was going to be a lawyer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, not at all. So I studied English language and literature at mm-hmm. university. And actually before that, I had spent a year and a half studying Talmud, right. um, which is a key Jewish text, which is a sort of oral tradition of learning, which has now been written down. So my interests were really in literature and in art right. while I take photographs as a hobby. And my first job out of university was, was working with the thing that I love most, which is books. Mm. I actually lived with, with a couple of lawyers at university and I just thought it was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. But while I was working in publishing, I was coming to the realization that I wanted something more. I wasn't feeling fulfilled by it. And sort of having had lots of, sort of thoughts and discussions, I realized that law would be my pathway into something more meaningful where I could at some point give back to society And would just sort of open the scope of what I was able to do in a much broader way. right? And I think actually studying Talmud and English literature has really had really helped me with that as well, because I knew that I loved the power of words Mm. and what they mean and arguing a point in a Socratic
0: way. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I touched on an intro. I often see your posts on LinkedIn around developments within crypto and within digital assets. Is that something you've, you've taken up recently and what's your key areas of focus?
1: Yeah, so right now I work for Zodiac Markets, which is a digital assets exchange and brokerage, the, the only bank-backed FCA-registered trading venue. So it's, it's majority owned by Standard Chartered Bank mm. and minority owned by BC Group, which is a leading digital asset and blockchain provider in Asia. Right, And in this role, I get to do what I love the most right now, which is focus solely on digital assets and their trading. The reason I love this role so much is because I get to focus on what I enjoy so much. And I enjoy that for two reasons. For a business and financial reason, this is where I see the future of money and financial services. It was something that was clear to me when I started working in this space in 2016. I could just see a better more seamless way of doing things. And I'm not sure which way that will go, whether it's crypto assets, whether it's stable coins, a central bank digital currency, or all of them. But one thing I'm certain is that digital assets are a big part, if not the future, mm. of financial services and markets. And from a legal perspective, I also find it absolutely fascinating because you're getting back to first principles of what is money? Mm. What is property? What is security? What is security? And I just find it interesting to get back to those first principles and really examine what we've assumed to be the case and where we extrapolate the future from there.
0: As it's developing, yeah, I know, it's, it's a really cool area and huge developments. Do you see it going in one particular direction?
1: Right now, it's really hard to tell. I think the seas of opinion change, I mean, tokenization is very much talked about right now. There are at least 141 countries who are looking at central bank digital currencies Mm. and in the private sector there are hundreds if not thousands of companies developing various protocols and types of digital assets and the way they're governed so I think it's very difficult to tell right now which way it will go Mm. but as I said it's just an area of huge interest lesson three so lesson three is that communication and connection are key to our work and our well-being. So those are really two lessons, but they're interconnected because we are a social species. So if we take communication first, I'm talking about three things, really. The first is the way we listen to other people. And here I find a principle of a book that I I absolutely love. Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. Um, So one of his lessons there is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And what that means is when you're listening to someone, you should be actively listening. So listening for what you can learn from them rather than Mm. what you can tell them. Mm. And then when we communicate outwards to other people, we need to think about how we're communicating message and who we're communicating to. So we may communicate a message differently, whether we're talking to our board, to regulators, as opposed to a member of your team or someone in the operations team. Um, so crafting the message in a way that's relevant to your audience and in a way that gets your message across is absolutely key. Yeah. And then putting those together, the way we receive input from others and the way we output to them. Yeah. Once you combine them, we can then work together in a way that's mutually beneficial. Absolutely. And then connection. This is so important, and it's something that lawyers, I think, have tended to ignore sometimes to their detriment. There was a new study by the U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy a couple of weeks ago, talking about the epidemic of loneliness. And he was looking at the U.S., but I think it's equally relevant for the UK. And we are in living in a society now where we are less socially connected, and we are more lonely as a society. And I think this is particularly relevant for lawyers who have a tendency to work long hours, to sit in front of their laptops all day. And now that there is more remote working, there is less daily, regular social connection. This is really important for ourselves and for our jobs. Because firstly, social isolation and loneliness lead to at least a 20, 25 to 30% increased risk of premature deaths. And a multitude of health issues. But also, we become better lawyers when we connect with each other. So I'm a member of two brilliant uh, legal communities, Crafty Council and yeah. Tech GC, which are both looking at the in-house legal community. And I find that when I've attended events or spoken to other lawyers through these networks, and, and there are plenty of others as well and other other ways in which I connect with people, it leaves me and them re-energized. We have more connections and we bring that back to our jobs. Yeah. It brings a greater sense of well-being to us and we're more productive in our work.
0: Yeah, it's really important to leverage those relationships and what, what's the most you get out of the community and speaking to others and people in similar positions to yourself. What gives you that energy?
1: So I think it's learning from each other. And I mean, we joke sometimes about it being a form of group therapy. I mean, just knowing that there are others in a similar position to you facing similar issues just helps immensely because sometimes as lawyers, we do feel quite alone.
0: Mm. The Stephen Covey book, during your career, is it something you felt more prevalent in a business context from being in-house or how did you see those habits within the private practice environment.
1: Yeah, so in-house is quite different to private practice. In private practice, you're all the experts and there's a very clear hierarchy and you know who everyone is. Mm. Even in a big firm, you, you know who everyone is. When you're in-house, particularly in a very large organization, it's sometimes very difficult to know exactly who's who and who knows what. So understanding how to manage yourself and then how you interact with others in that organisation is absolutely critical in a way that is not the case in private practice. In private practice, you're used to advising on the law and in-house, it's much more a combination of the law, how you apply it and how you interact with, with your colleagues and your wider team and stakeholders. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing those, those lessons, loads of good practical tips for people to, to listen to. I look forward to hearing more about and tracking how things are going at Zodiac Markets and staying up to date on the developments within crypto. If people were interested in, in finding out more about that space, would you like to hear from anyone?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, so you can check our website. It's uh, www.zodiacmarkets.com. Yeah, You can look me up on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I'd recommend give Dina a follow on, on LinkedIn. She put some excellent posts out on that space, really interesting stuff, and a finger on the pulse in terms of development. So I'll share the link in the bio, but thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much, Scott. It was a pleasure.
0: And thank you all for listening to Lessons I Learned in Law. We have a great back catalogue of guests that have appeared on series one to four. So please check those out at harrietbrowncom forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.